Welcome to Why Wonders Why, a companion podcast to Smart Enough to Know Better. This episode is titled, What the Philosophy? Attack of the Killer Robots. I've been thinking a lot recently about autonomous weaponry. It's been in the news, drone warfare, loitering weapons, all sorts of exciting names. Lethal aid, another term I heard recently. So I thought I'd better go find someone who knew a lot more about it than I do. Enjoy. Last year, I read an article all about a drone that was used in Libya. And this drone was an autonomous weapon that could be piloted, like many drones, and uh, used to kill people. But unlike the drones I was thinking about, but normally like a small plane that loiters many kilometers in the air and rains death upon unsuspecting people, but still controlled by a human being, this looked like a a drone you'd buy in a store, a small quadcopter that was uh, had potential to be fully autonomous and uh, kill anyone it liked, really, make a decision. It's called the Cargo 2, and it, it looks like a toy, which really surprised me. I was surprised that this story didn't go any further, that it just kind of vanished. I guess COVID's a thing and everyone's worrying about that and all sorts of other exciting things happening around the world. But it made me start thinking, is it actually worse that this weapon may have, no one knows, I'm sure someone knows, but no one's talking whether this weapon autonomously killed someone or was was it killed by a person running this drone? And I started wondering, does it matter? There's still someone dead. Does it matter that a machine pulled the trigger, made the decision to pull the trigger, or a human being told a machine to pull the trigger. And I've been running myself in circles about this. So today I'm going to try and, and sort of get into this question a bit more. And I have Dan with me, of course. Hello, Dan. I'm will be very little help with ethical questions, except for making them worse. That's right. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to have an expert today, uh, Laura. Laura is a senior software engineer and also a member of ICRAC, which is the International Committee for Robot Arms Control. Hello, Laura. Hello, good morning or good afternoon or whatever time of the day you broadcast this podcast. <laughs> All the time. It never stops. We're just constantly broadcasting out our windows to the much to the horror of our neighbours. So, uh, Laurie, <laughs> yeah. so you are you have uh, experience with this sort of, uh, well, drones and or, or with autonomous uh, vehicles and that sort of way? Uh, sure. Well, I can, I can give you a potted version of my life story for the last five years. So I was um, I was a software engineer at Google. And some of you may have heard of a thing called Project Maven. And this was when Google got into a contract with the U.S. Department of Defense. And man, if if I was giving a talk, I usually at this point, I I showed the the logo for Project Maven, which is rather incredible. Um, So this, this, recall is a project that is all about sensing people and surveilling people so that they can be killed more efficiently if necessary. Mm. And the the, the rather amazing logo for the... Don't be evil people. It says that don't be evil people. We'll get right, into that a okay. bit later. Uh, what What is evil, right? I mean, that's what they killing, would like you to Killing have. people! <laughs> surely, <laughs> hang on, hang on. If we're going to start on the baseline of ethics here, surely killing people is... No, the... no, 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 no. Let, it, let us speak. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm finding this very curious. <laughs> well, we should, we, should, we should talk about that later because this mm. is pretty, when we talk about military ethics, this becomes really important. Um, so... As military ethics has been defined, killing people is okay if they are legitimate military targets. But this is a really, really important part of this debate. So we should get into that. But uh, I was talking about Maven and their crazy logos. They have all these like really cutesy little robots with hearts and stuff on them. But this is for a project that is literally about how do we analyze more drone footage so that we can feed that into giant machine learning um, programs and figure out who might be a terrorist, possibly, and then we can zap them from the sky with a drone. That is Project Maven. And uh, Google um, got this project really, I mean, then this was a super weird thing for those of us who've been at Google for a while. We thought that Google wasn't doing this kind of military contract. Mm. And it transpired that they were. And this this made me pretty profoundly upset in ways that were not even funny, like, you know, mm. months of no sleep and, you know, kind of acid reflux and all these non-fun things. Mm. So... I decided I had to leave, did some pro- protesting internally first, left, and then I started talking about it. So I've been featured in a few newspapers and 
I got involved with this uh, thing called the Campaign to Stop Killer Robots, which is a is a sort of um, umbrella group of non-government organizations, which um, lobbies at the UN and other places uh, for a ban on autonomous weapons. So essentially, autonomous weapon is a weapon that will choose to to use force by itself based on some sort of sensor input and, and, and some sort of software or, or um, other kinds of decision-making structures within within the device itself and without human intervention, without any human making that decision to you know, push a button or pull a trigger. These, these weapons are sort of a complicated story. So in, in some ways, if you kind of squint your eyes and look at it, you know, you've got you've had things like uh, like counter rocket systems, like 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 sort of, you know, think about rocket and missile defense shields. Mm. And those are those are typically um, not run autonomously all the time, or that they may be. They're typically sort of turned on when you, you see that there's an, 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 an attack coming in. And these are typically fixed in place. And they're dealing only with a very kind of specific type of target, which is yeah. namely incoming missiles or rockets of some sort. I've so seen these have been around. Back of them, generally, unless <laughs> yeah. not usually, usually not. Yes. I've seen amazing yes, footage so, so, of that. Oh, sorry, I do, I you, but like with Israel, that's where I saw, saw it originally with um with their Iron Shield, I think it's called, and and mm-hmm. the rockets come in, and these and these missile systems just activate and they fly and they they change direction like almost on a dime. They're in quite insanely agile and they take out the, the incoming fire. And I, I I always assumed that it have to be a machine run thing. It can't be a human flying that. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's really highly automated. Now, some people tell me, you know, when they go, oh, oh, well, these things don't work as well as they say they do, but they, they do seem to work at least to some extent. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so some of the military people say, well, we've had these things for some time and, and these are fine. So surely it's okay to take the lessons that we've learned from these systems that sit there and deal only with incoming rockets. And we can apply these kinds of lessons to things that fly around and kill people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which, no, yeah. th- that's the crazy part. Because now we live in a world where, as you say, um, people are building drones that target human beings that are designed to sort of loiter around an area and, you know, potentially decide that somebody may be a target and um, and kill them. Yeah. Or it could be vehicles or all sorts of other things. Now, when you think about it, the only reason that you have autonomy is you want to attack something that moves. Mm. If something is static, you know, you've got all sorts of satellite imagery or other intelligence, you know, you, you, you can just send a thing to go and zap that point. You don't need yeah. the speed and kind of um, interactive ability that, that an autonomous weapon gives you. Autonomous weapons are only for, really for attacking people or other things that move. Yeah. And, you know, g- given the way that warfare has gone in the past 20 or so years, I mean, this has been this real sort of focus on using military techniques for counterterrorism, for counterinsurgency. And these, these two things are, conf- they're not the same, but they're often conflated. So there's this real interest in, in, in using um, autonomous weapons against people. And that versus rockets does throw up a whole lot of, you know, real ethical questions. So you said, you said earlier, you know, is, is it evil to kill people? And most people say yes, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the, hallmark- I mean, one of the hallmarks of being a human civilization is, is we don't kill each other. Like, you know, we're all crammed into massive millions into a city. Most of us are 90% of us on the planet. And let's face it. There are all sorts of stresses all through the day. Maybe I'm speaking too much myself here. We, we don't bite each other's faces off. Is what I'm trying to say. We, we've learned. I barely to- throw my own poo at all these that, days. <laughs> so, so we, we, our thing is don't, don't kill each other. Live and let live. Literally live and let live. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, the hallmark of a civilization surely yes yes yeah i mean i i would agree with that but war is different right mm. after this whole maven thing um i left google i took a year out i joined i joined this campaign to stop killer robots thing and uh, one of the other things i did was i said okay well i have to make sense of all of this that's happened you know i was finding myself sort of drawn into this world where people were talking about all these things like international humanitarian law and, you know, sort of military ethics and all this kind of stuff. And I felt mm. like I had a pretty good angle on the tech side of things, but less so on the military ethics side of things. So I went and I did a master's degree in, uh, in ethics and I focused my dissertation in on the questions around autonomous weapons. And I found that military ethics is really quite a strange beast. So um, basically the, the way it works is they say, okay, in times of war, this whole not killing people kind of has to go out the window, right? Mm. Um, because otherwise it's very hard to do war. You can't just sort of, you know, play chess and sort yeah. of take the outcome to be the, the of, victory of, in the war, right? Lots of arm burns. They want to stand there and go, come on, arm, ooh, 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 I'm very upset with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so I mean, the you know, militaries are they really want to be able to kill people as part of warfare, and they kind of said, okay, right, well, military ethics is special. It's not like regular ethics. Killing people is okay, but I will put some rules around that so it doesn't become totally terrible. So, military ethics is about uh, sort of trying to, I guess, still be able to have wars, but mm-hmm. reduce the um, the impact, the human impact of wars around the edges a little bit. So uh, a lot of people are actually <laughs> a little bit skeptical about, um, you know, kind of international humanitarian law. And in that way, they, they, they see that it really privileges um, the ability to, to fight wars over the, the humanitarian concerns. Mm. But it is what it is. And, you know, pragmatically, people say, well, it's better than nothing. So we'll, we'll, we'll do this. So there are a couple of rules around who and, and how you can kill people in war. So if you're killing somebody deliberately, um, as in you mean to kill that person, they should be a, a combatant. And that means that they are, you know, they're either in the army wearing a uniform or they've or may, maybe they're actually a civilian that's taken some sort of ongoing combat role in the war. Right. So if you're a civilian, but, you know, you're rules. Sure, sure. Standard predator rules. So, so if, if if you fit those 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 criteria, you're you're a legitimate combatant. But unless there are some exceptions, so if you're say a military chaplain or you're uh, you're working as a medical responder, mm-hmm. even if you're in uniform, you're not supposed to be a legitimate target. Ah. And then the other one is people who are who are surrendering or people who are, are uh, what they call hors de combat. And my French accent is horrible, but basically means you're injured. So, you know, even for people who are sort of wearing a military uniform, it gets a bit complicated. Mm. And then, but that's that's still the simple side. The other part of the, the ethics of who you're allowed, I mean, I'm not ethics and, you know, scare quotes here, of who you're allowed to kill in warfare is you can kill civilians as long as you didn't mean to. Mm. Now, this is called collateral damage, right? Mm. And the basic rules of international humanitarian law is, you know, if I, if I have this really important military target that I want to kill, you know, that's or destroy, let's say it's a, you know, important military base, mm-hmm. but it's, it's in a suburb and there's all innocent people all around. I can totally bomb the hell out of that. As long as I don't mean to kill the civilians mm-hmm. as, a, as a deliberate thing, as long as I'm not using that sort of terror tactic. And as long as I take reasonable care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that stops. Whatever that like, means. Like these, like the bad guys. In quotes from building like their 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 uranium factory and then just surrounding it with orphanages. Um, exactly. Like, yes. Well, so we'll, I just... still, we'll still take a crack at that because we're <laughs> yeah. allowed to now. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You're you're allowed to, and um, you know, and, and it, 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 yeah, part of it is to stop that sort of human shield um, mm. approach. I have so, heard, I have so... heard stories. Sorry, but when it, it, you, you kind of you hear about um, when it actually did work in inverted commas, as in. Um, very high up people in in um, in ISIS using always hanging out with their own children and and always having their children with them and then the in this case the Americans not bombing the hell out of them until they until they worked out that the they had gone away from their children and then they killed them so it, it, I'm not saying it always happens that way but I have read I was like oh I was really surprised to realize that sometimes happens so it, obviously there's some level of human ethics there or 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 squeamishness maybe another way of putting it maybe I don't know yeah it was in- interesting anyway yeah yeah so so they're applying the sort of proportionality um you know, criteria here, you know, is it proportional to kill this man with his children? Okay, no, we'll, we'll wait. We'll do it another time. We'll wait till tomorrow. So, 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 so it gets a lot more complicated than, than don't kill people. And um, this, this is where, I think this is where me, I, I, I mean, other people have lots of different ideas about why it's, it's ethically problematic to, to hand that, that sort of decision to use force over to a robot. Um, and a lot of people think, for example, that this is this concept uh, and this kind of comes from from Kant and, you know, would also be echoed in many other world religions, like this idea that we have to show respect to other human beings. And a, a lot of a lot of people have asked, well, you know, obviously a robot can't be respectful to a human being. You know, a robot can't understand and respect the depth of your humanity and how unique you are when it decides to, to, to zap you from the sky. Right. Mm. Um, so there's so some people question whether or not. Um, that's a reason that that we that we shouldn't put too much automation in, into into this decision to use force. Mm. Um, people have had a really hard time arguing that because I mean a lot of people say, well, you know, being killed by 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 a drone isn't very respectful anyway. So mm. you know, what's the difference? Um, 
that, well then, that's for me. That's where that's my biggest issue with. with that's where that's where my ethics come. I get so confused because you go, we we have these mm-hmm. loitering drones that can fire missiles, and they're basically planes full of weaponry, and they can stay up there for days. And then when they're told by a human on the ground who's not in the same country, who's across the world, kill them, it kills them. And I and then I'm like, okay, well that's awful. That's that's war or whatever that is. And I, I'm not particularly excited by the concept. And then I go, but. Is, does it really matter if a human being told to kill it now or if a human being told it six months ago to fly over there, loiter, and then kill someone when it worked out there was someone to kill? I, that's where I have a I, – I, I'm not saying I'm for it. I just start getting a bit messed up on the ethics of it at that point. Yeah, I think you're making a great point there. That, I mean, there, there are two very separate questions here. So there's one set of questions about is the sort of remote warfare paradigm okay? You know, is, is it okay to 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 sort of, I mean, the, the biggest problem really with, with the whole thing around targeted killing is, you know, you're making a sort of a, a judicial, a complicated um, judicial decision about somebody that they're, that they're guilty and you may be wrong. But, you know, you're, you're, you're executing them remotely from far away. Mm. And there's huge debates around this. There's a really, really, really excellent book uh, called Debating Targeted Killing uh, by Jeremy Waldron and somebody else. I can't remember the other author's name. But that's really worth a read if you want to get deep into the weeds of the ethics of that. Uh, I, I personally am against uh, this sort of way of doing counterterrorism. I think that, for example, attacking the, the financial underpinnings of terrorism has actually probably been more effective. Mm. And there's a lot of reasons to think that there's a lot of um, blowback when when you when you start executing people in this way. First off, and we'll come back to this in a moment. First off, you're very often the wrong people are, tar- are targeted. You know, mm. identities can be incorrect, or, or or things are just misread. There's a really excellent paper, and again, I forget the name of the paper. Uh, Dan, but there's a really great paper by a legal scholar who analysed all of the things that the U.S. administration had said about how they were targeting people. And he came up with like a, a quite a long list of several different criteria and he analyzed them under international humanitarian law and whether or not they would be feasible to be to be done remotely. So they were found that they were using criteria such as people making bombs as, as, tar- as criteria for targeting drone strikes. And that's reasonable apart from how do you tell from the air that somebody is making a bomb? I mean, if I make a bomb, I do it inside, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I do it in my shed. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I make bombs, of course. Um, but... <laughs> It's good to say that. Good to just put it out there. I agree. We don't do that in Ireland anymore. That was back in the sixties and seventies. But you can say that. You can say that. We are not. We're not even. We're not even laughing. We're just sitting here going, no, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. We'll <laughs> I don't know who this I mean... guy is, but I do not like the sound of him at all. <laughs> so, so I mean. These are th- there's a lot of stuff that you just cannot see from, from aerial kind of surveillance footage. And again, you, mm. there's a lot of stuff that you can't get from even surveillance of mobile phone data either. Uh, you, you may be able to tell that somebody is, is in contact with somebody else, but mm. you can't tell why. Uh, there's been a lot of work done on, um, like the US government had, or the CIA, in fact, had, uh, had, a, had a program called Skynet that was trying to use um, <laughs> mobile phone data. For, yes, Skynet, really. I, I'm, why I'm would you? you. Ca- anyway, yeah. um, that's just tempting <laughs> Fight. What are you doing at that point? <laughs> they have an incredible sense of irony. Anyway, so they, they were trying to use mobile phone data to figure out who was a terrorist. And there's been at least one journalist and at least one political leader I know of that were targeted because, you know, if you're a journalist, you talk to terrorists because you need to interview them for the news, right? And if you're a political leader, you talk to them as well because, you know, like it or not, they are political forces, right? So, and these, of course, actually journalists, and I think journalists are definitely protected groups under IHL. So, you know, when you start building these kinds of automated systems that are, you know, looking at things in a very context-free way from the sky or or, or through kind of mobile phone um, metadata, that's, you know, essentially who called who, you can make all these real stupid mistakes, mm. right? Yeah. And that brings me, I mean, I'm a technologist and, you know, I, I may have gone and done a degree in ethics, but... You know, I don't come come to it from necessarily the same perspective as somebody who has been an ethics scholar all their life. But for me, I think one of the biggest ethical problems with putting too much automation into the loop here is simply that it's, it's stupid. We all know this. Uh, we know we've all interacted with. I'm, I'm not kidding. You know, the, the best machine learning and artificial intelligence um, systems that the world has are in the likes of you know your Siri and your Alexa and the other stuff in your mobile phone and the applications that you interact with. The military does not have better stuff. 
In fact, it's stuff is probably worse because there's less money in it and there's fewer people working on it and they get less feedback about whether it's correct. Mm, yeah, half um, the time I ask so, Siri to kill someone, she starts playing a song on, on an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And maybe it's a... Sh- Maybe it's a shame that the cargo drones don't do that. Like, hey, go, go kill all those Libyans. Uh, you know, suddenly you're, you're playing, you know, the right of the Valkyries. You know, that's that, that'll be a better world. Or something. Well, yeah, just <laughs> a drone dive bombs screaming, shake it off by uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. Rock the Casbah starts playing very loudly. So, so one of the things you said is that you're not supposed to kill someone if they're surrendered. So mm-hmm. in theory... I should be able to wave a white flag at one of these killer robots and it, it would be illegal for it to kill me. But Yes, ex- apart from n- nobody could build a robot that can do that. Um, yeah, and it you know, can't yeah. arrest me either. It, like, yeah. it can't so, do anything yeah. except for shoot me. Yes. I assume that yes, I, was exactly. thinking, I was thinking that before, Dan. I was actually a very similar idea. I sh- you should, we should create a drone that just flies near you going... Dan Beeson has surrendered. He is no longer a combatant. And just putting it all the, on all the radio waves, basically, in every bit of electromagnetic spectrum, it can throw it out so that you can't miss it. So you go, no, no, you can't kill me. I'm a, but they would say, no, actually, but you say you surrendered Dan, but then you went and built a bomb and they just kill you anyway. Like they, they'd, they'd, they'd be post. Well, the robot wouldn't. They'd have to, like a human has to make that decision. Like, oh, the, I see. To make, the robot can't make the ethical decision. It can only do what, you tell the robot to do and that's and at that point that's where that decision is it can't you can't make that decision before because i may not have got my white flag together yet yeah <laughs> yes and, and there's i think their answer would be they don't care <laughs> well, this, is, this is it exactly i mean um the technology is just not there to be able to build a killer robot that can that can actually look at, at, at a scenario interpret it in, in a sort of a, in a, in a modeling the world kind of a way, right? Mm. You know, machine learning tends to work at a very, very sort of low level of, you know, looking at images and detecting what's in images, um, maybe looking at a sequence of images. So you can do things like you can detect someone's uh, race, for example. That's, you know, with reasonable accuracy. That was the accuracy. first thing they solved. They're like, that's yeah. the hardest bit mm. is, is detecting <laughs> skin color and then this whole autonomous weapon thing. That's yeah, I can, I, I can, I can, pro- <laughs> exactly. I can, pro- I can probably detect with reasonable accuracy if someone's an adult or a child, if they're male or female, that kind of thing. Can I detect if they're a combatant or not? I can't because that's a really complex thing, and it's based on a, a sequence of behavior, and it's 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 based potentially on things that I can't even see because it's you know something someone did in their shed last week, right? Mm. How can I build a killer robot that can sort of adequately operate in these situations? And the answer is you can't. So if you're building um, killer robots that are going to target people, they're going to have to be done based on on things that we can kind of program in. So it'll be things like kill all the humans you see, right? Yeah. And then you just send it to your enemy's base in the desert, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you could build a kill all the whitelist. Yeah, you'd have to have a, you'd have to have IFF identify friend and foe. Mm-hmm. So so you, yes. your people put out a radio signal or whatever that that no one knows about. So it turns up, it, you suddenly get a little laser on your head from the sky, and it, and it checks to see if you're putting out the right radio signal. If you are, you get to live. If not, your head explodes. Well, that should uh, be easy. And it, and it, well, and it, and have been putting a red a red border and a blue border around characters for de- decades now. <laughs> Well, actually, you, you can buy intelligent sights now that uh, like night sights, um, you, you wear them and you go out and they, they will highlight human figures. Now, they can't tell if they're friend or foe, but they will highlight human they, figures for you. They, they still haven't got um, the goodies and baddies chip. Upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because, because that that bit is probably impossible until we have an artificial general, general intelligence that's as smart as we are and that can kind of model causality and understand the world. Right. Because. Well, yes, we can't do it either. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of home invasions in countries that people end up shooting their loved ones because they thought they were you know someone else in the toilet or whatever. They end up shooting through the door. All the exciting stuff. Yeah, it it does happen. So imagine getting one of these like the goodies and baddies upgrade and then and then trying it on and realizing that your partner had like a red outline. You're like, uh oh. So, I mean, this, this is such a hard problem. We're terrible at it. We can't yeah. tell who friend and foe are. I mean, I'm, you know, and there's, there's some people who have written some great papers about, you know, how, and, and going back to drone warfare, about how low information it is, right? Mm. You know, people people are making decisions based on, you know, very little information. Mm. And this is, this is why there are so many, so many problems with people, you know, zapping charity workers or, you know, 
I'm not farmers out of the, the air, right? I must admit, though, sometimes when you're out and about, you get those charity muggers who ask you, like, <laughs> I, can, I, I kind of, look, I'm, just, I don't, I'm not saying I want to shoot them with a drone, but there have been days, you know, uh, that's why I'm glad I don't run a major autonomous military. I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I think we should all be glad that we don't run a major autonomous military. There would be a lot of headaches. But, I mean, even, even things like your idea of uh, having an, an IFF beacon, yes, you, you, you could do that. And then the the day that you, you will have you will have a bad day on the day the day when the battery in your beacon dies because you did not you didn't charge it and now you're going to get shot by your own side's drones. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, so this is total war. Then we're, we're discussing here. We've reached the point of total war, as in letting the the slaughter bots, the the swarming robots out, and just letting them run over the battlefield and kill better than we can kill because there's no one else. Everyone's a combatant at that point. Like the it's me versus you. It's our country versus your country. And that's where that's where the technology seems to be inverted commas good at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but you get any level of nuance, and that's you, you, you can't unless you're literally going kill everyone on that continent. You kind or in that city, you can't really make it ethical. Well, um, yeah, and that, now what you've done is that you, you've built an indiscriminate weapon. A weapon that you know doesn't have human control, doesn't have anything discriminating between legal and illegal targets. Um, because technically, like everything's legal at that we, point, isn't it? Yeah, you, you built a sort of a flying landmine, and we built we, we banned landmines for good reason because because they can't discriminate. Could I come at this from a different angle? If I'm targeting a bunch of terrorists and I decide to fire a missile at them, they all die in that explosion. Wouldn't it be better if I had a missile that after I fired it and it reached its destination, it could then decide not to if it if it got more information? Um, sure, but I mean, most of these missiles do, they can, they can stream video right up to the point of impact. So you could have a human being making the decision to call it off. I would say as well, like if, if you start trying to build these kinds of safety missiles, you, you have a problem now in that you've sort of, <laughs> Sorry, safety oh, I mean, missile. It's like, it's like, yeah, a shave, shaving in the morning. Ah, oh, my safety missile. Close, exactly, close yeah. to the blade or your money back. I, what's that do to you as the missile operator? You go, okay, well, it's a safety missile. I can fire it. And if it doesn't like what it mm. sees, it'll just, you know, call off, right? You know, you're, it's you're, like you're sort a safety of safety gun that you just fire indiscriminately into a crowd because, you know, the bullet's going to make the right decision when it gets. <laughs> It, well, you, you hope it will. It's designed to, but you know, it, but it's it's based on you know some mm. some pretty stupid uh, you know technological smarts that that are in the box yeah. that can't really discriminate. So I, th- I think what we would what we do. I mean, there's a lot of people worry that it will will sort of en- enter this gray area of sort of supervised autonomous weapons, mm. where you'll still have humans in the loop, but the human won't be as cognitively engaged with what's going on. So a human will just push the button essentially. And I, I think building building safety missiles that can in theory discriminate somehow between valid and invalid targets. It gives you a, this real false sense of security as an operator. It, it, I think it, it lowers that that threshold to push that button. And I think that that's actually an ethical problem as well. I mean, I think all these things, they, they, they degrade the, the human's role in the loop. And this this comes back to like another, another thing, like what I primarily do in my day job is uh, not ethics. Um, I do software. And a lot of what I do in software is thinking about, you know, how, how, how will this complex system surprise the humans that are trying to run the damn thing? So, I, you know, I've always dealt with, you know, large distributed systems. And we have to be very, very, very careful, I find, when we build any sort of automation around our system, because it's far too easy for that automation to do the wrong thing and, and cause cause things to get worse in unintended, in unintended situations. And a lot of it is because, you know, they don't have enough state around the world and they're not exposing enough of what they're going to do to the humans around them Mm. automation very frequently surprises humans because it will just decide to do some stupid thing based on a very partial view of the world and the human being doesn't even doesn't realize that the the automation is going to do something so stupid because no human being would do that so we've all sort of evolved to, to to take part in a world where around us the only actors that are doing things are other humans who have a bit of common sense. Mm. So here, here's a real simple example of a complex system that went wrong. Two booksellers built bots to price their books on Amazon. And seller A said, okay, if I don't have a book in stock, um, I can always buy it from somewhere else 
and I can add a 10% markup to cover my costs and sell it on. So they built a bot that basically said, basically claimed that um, any book in the world, they had it at 10% higher than the next, than, than the cheapest seller, right? <laughs> then another seller said, <laughs> did the same thing, right? And they said, okay, well, you know, I, I, can, I can also sell it for like 8% uh, more, more, uh, more expensive than the next lowest seller. So what happens next? These two bots get in a war and suddenly there's a book about insects that is cost that's uh, up on Amazon for 20 million dollars. <laughs> and what's the, and, and, and you know, no, everyone just looks and, at this and, and goes, what? And but, it's not in but, stock but, either because they both guarantee that they can get it off each other. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, nobody intended to price a book at 20 million dollars. It's absurd, right? And no human being would have done that. But these bots, they're, they're doing exactly what they're programmed to do. It's just that it's, it's very hard for the human programmer to understand the full ramifications of what that looks like when you interact with it, a world that's more complex than you think it is, right? So, you know, people get surprised. Uh, people get surprised by by what automated systems do. And I think that's really dangerous in, in a I have a situation. simple example of this. At my work, there's a door, there's um, a sec- uh, security door that is autonomous, like a, 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 it's a sensor door. And I don't know why, but it doesn't recognize me as human. So everyone else can get to walk through that door. That door, I have to wave at it. And then it's like, fine. And it finally opens for me. And sometimes if I'm standing there, it will try and crush me. As in, it will just start closing very slowly. Like it's a very small, low trap. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm here. I'm here, door. And it's like, no, no, you're dead. And it really, I think it just hates me. I'm not too sure. It's really, really weird. But that's a very simple sensor door that still seems to um, not be able to do its job, at least for me. Have you tried thanking it when you go through it? Uh, I should probably stop swearing at it. That's very true. <laughs> it's, very, it's very, very true. I was like, bloody door. And it's like, oh, I'll slowly crush you to death. But, but this sort of, you know, surprises happen when you build complicated systems like this. And, you know, one of the things that people think about is what happens if, let's say, for example, you have a war situation and you have a city where there's, you know, a thousand of these drones patrolling the sky and, mm. you know, the same thing happens to, and something happens to cause all thousand of those drones to attack something. You know, mm. what happens then? You know, let's, let's say it's New Year's Eve and everyone comes out of their house and shoots their gun up in the air, mm. you know, and, and all the drones attack. That kind of thing can happen. Like you, yeah. you can, end, you could end up with really sort of quick sort of, people call it flash warfare. The other yeah. problem is you could end up this, in, uh, the other problem is a strategic corporal problem, right? So the idea of the strategic corporal is, you have uh, some sort of tense situation on border or whatever, and you have somebody who's relatively low ranking, but in a position to pull the trigger or to to otherwise launch something, and they get spooked and they they push a button and bam, you've got a war. And um, same thing. I mean, when when we're talking about these really brittle, really stupid um, autonomous weapon systems, there's a really high risk of that. I think. Anyway, there's been sorry, some really. No, you have, no, you're absolutely right. There's there's some really uh, scary moments in history. Not, I mean, with humans who have stopped wars, Russian submarine captains are losing contact with the outside world, and their ruling is that they've lost contact with the outside. Well, they're deep. They're deep. Like they don't come up for months, and if they lose contact, that means the world must have ended. Fire your weapons, and so they go through all these procedures of, oh, we've lost contact. We wait so many hours. We and in the end, the captain's like. Let's not fire the nuclear weapons at America. Let's go to the surface and work out if the world is there. And they go to the surface and they discover the world's there. And everyone's like, "Oh my god, that was a bit close." And and, and you know, um, you go, "That's these are the ones we know of." And if a machine could quite easily have just gone, "Nah, fire," and just launched everything into the sky, and and then it, it, we're in a lot of trouble very very quickly. I can definitely envisage trying to train a robot to say, "Should I fire my weapon or not?" Well, one of the indications is if everyone else is firing their weapon, then probably you should. And so I can see that sort of catch it going off like a bunch of um, ping pong balls and mouse traps, and or well, the nuclear reaction. Yeah, yes, like yeah, like the thing that the ping pong balls and the mouse traps are trying to describe. So I can imagine <laughs> exactly that's that's your, your flash war situation. Sort of yeah. rules that yeah. would sort of reinforce themselves. Mm. And, and and people are building smart tanks now that can return fire if they think they're being fired upon. Uh, obvious potential bad things to happen now this is a lot of the stuff we're talking about here like tank and these massive like predator drones and the other that these are large multi-million if not hundreds of millions of dollars weapon systems but what really spooked me about the story we started with the 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 car ka, not kaiju the 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 the, the, the yeah they're called the, cargo yeah the cargo drone yeah. is relatively cheap and mm-hmm. you could, as someone, in, instead of spending hundreds of millions of dollars on one Predator drone, you could spend 
a million dollars on many Cargo 2 drones. And, and it, it's a destabilization of power then. When, and I'm, but I'm wondering about the ethics of that as well. Of At the moment, powerful warfare is in the hands of uh, like big, big actors like America who have a technological advantage, even though they're not the biggest armies in the world. They're the most technologically advanced armies. But suddenly, if you could have a small actor... Uh, small state uh, that wanted to prove that it was that it was a powerful nation could spend a relatively small amount of money and cause untold damage with these weapons that and I don't think could be stopped easily and there's there's a lot of fear I have a lot of fear about that are you talking about Canada again Yes, yes, of course. Yes, I'm always very nervous. You know that. Yeah, you know that I have a thing for Canada and the evil, evil ways. <laughs> and I think Canada's secret weapon is poutine. They want to make us all eat that and you know die of uh, heart attacks. <laughs> it's working well. Well done, Canada. Uh, it's yeah, delicious. It is. It's some. Um, it's these things are cheap and clever enough to kill, and that's a worry to me. That's a, a big issue, but. But that's capitalism as well. Like that's things are always going to get cheaper and faster and better. And if killing is what you're selling, then that's not a good outcome. And what you're saying there about being faster and cheaper. I mean, this this if, if you look at some of the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense's stuff that they put out around autonomy, they they talk a lot about uh, wanting to increase the speed of war fighting and increase mm-hmm. their lethality. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, they want to do it faster, cheaper, better. And so do Turkey, and you know, so, mm-hmm. so do the likes of. Azerbaijan and Armenia, who used drones with a fairly high degree of automation in their recent war, mm-hmm. they they were using uh, Bayraktars and the Israeli uh, Harpy or Harab drones, which are anti radiation missiles, so they can zap anything that's got a radar. So yes, I mean absolutely. So the question you're asking there, I think, is about really the concept of military stability, and this this mm-hmm. this is an idea that you want to have a situation where you know the, the balances of power between neighboring states and I guess we, we live in a global world now with mm. long range missiles. So suddenly everyone is a neighboring state in some sense, mm. if, if you're a superpower. I mean, this is a, a real problem that that's a, was a real thing that fueled the Cold War. This fact that, you know, the US and Russia can now be direct sort of threats to each other. Mm. Technological advances very often do cause changes in global stability. I think it's very hard to see whether autonomy is going to be a factor in that and how that's going to play out. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think if, if you're a nuclear state, probably autonomy doesn't change the balance in, in, in a very significant way. If you're a small country like Azerbaijan and Armenia, maybe it does. If someone starts throwing tiny machines that fly in and blow up the face of a senator, you can't really send a missile back as like you, you kind of, it, it changes the, the battleground. So are you saying it's proportional violence, Dan? So yeah. if, if, like, if, if, if I send a drone that, that, that goes, kills boom, one person, knocks yeah. out a senator, and they're like, oh, we could do that to someone else, you can't you can't threaten them with an yeah, but, attack. But, you know, I mean, attacking a senator is not an exact existential threat to your nation, right? And, and my, my, I would argue that probably in most cases, autonomous weapons are not an existential threat to a nation in the same way that, say, nuclear war is and yeah i mean you're, you're not you're not going to start a nuclear war over over someone assassinating a senator but at the same time somebody if, if you're a superpower with or, or even a sort of a medium large power with a really strong conventional military not even necessarily a nuclear military you know an upstart is not going to be able to destroy your country with with a few um cargoes i mean oh, okay. yes right. maybe the... maybe maybe they can be an irritant and it's really interesting that you talk about the assassination there because that's a really interesting i think case of potentially um some of the more powerful nations shooting themselves in in the face mm. um so there used to be this really 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 strong norm against um, assassination right mm. and people say well you know that, that that's because of ethics it's because it's mm. wrong to kill people mm. but assassination is a special case right i think and there's a really, really, really great book by a guy called Ward Thomas about this. It's called The, the Ethics of Destruction. And he talks a lot about how, how some norms are not based purely in ethics, but they're because they serve the interest of the powerful. And he argues uh, particularly that assassination was, was a really strong norm against it that arose because basically, you know, politicians didn't want to be assassinated, right? There's a, so because I, well, we won't do that. We'll build a sort of a, a, a taboo against against assassination, and you know, because in the early days of say the nineteenth uh, century, like there was a huge uh, early twentieth as well, like there was a huge degree of terrorism, and um, that unlike modern terrorism, which is tends to be conducted against the general public, it was conducted mostly against leaders, mm. and then this 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 norm grew up around ah, it. Halcyon days. <laughs> <laughs> 
would say, you know, I mean, and, and at least uh, leaders sort of bear some culpability in politics, right, as opposed to regular people. So there's sort of some, some, some logic to it. This norm grew up around um, not doing doing assassinations. Mm-hmm. And now that's really, really been undermined. And it's been undermined principally by, I think, targeted killing. Um, yeah. So and, and the way that that's been used by, by, by powers like uh, the US, but also like Israel. And increasingly over the past several years. So it'll be super interesting to see if that norm can can hold up over the long term. To, um, th- to me, that just feels like that that's just when you go, we're so powerful, I can reach out and kill your religious leaders, political leaders, society leaders who I don't like, and there is nothing you can do to me because I'm the big dog, and what are you going to do? Nothing. I don't care what you do. But these weapons kind of mean that actually they might be able to do something. They may be able to send something to your country or to where you are and do something to you. And that's what's got people a little bit spooked. Well, it's got me spooked. Uh, but it's really, it's that whole, as you said, they've opened up Pandora's box by killing their enemies with these drones. Now those drones will be able to, hopefully, not hopefully, that's the wrong word, but those drones will be will be likely to start killing them back. And so, because now everyone is on a more equal footing because they're cheap and easily deployed. Where uh, can it, I get one of these iron curtains you were talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you'll, you'll probably need to set up a pretty significant, you know, uh, you know, domestic defense industry or, you know, um, <laughs> or, or, have, or have a few billion dollars. Um, but I mean, you're making really interesting points here about unintended consequences, and we see these all the time. And there are some people who think that that remote warfare, this this practice of sort of doing targeted killing from the sky, it some people think that it encourages uh, terrorist attacks in 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 retribution because it's the only thing you can do, right? Mm-hmm. If your community is being attacked by targeted killings, you can't you can't attack the drones, right? Um, you know, they're thousands of feet up above in the sky, right? There's, there's there's no army on the ground for you to counterattack. Like the only the only means of attack that you have is to attack your your enemy's um, sort of people. Um, so it's like a lot of people think that it does sort of encourage blowback in that kind of way. It's asymmetrical warfare. It's utterly asymmetrical. You have a a superpower. Mm-hmm. With all with literal lasers, <laughs> and you're a person who made a pipe bomb out of fertilizer. Yet you can do a lot of damage. It's been shown in history over and over mm-hmm. again that that you can't stop. If these people are dedicated enough, they're going to make your life miserable. We've seen it recently. I mean, let's face it. You've got Afghanistan, and after after the Russians went in there and couldn't defeat them, and then the Americans went in there and couldn't defeat them, and you go, oh, you can't defeat people who are willing to kill you with themselves or, or mm-hmm. you can't do it. Everyone, everyone, everyone will stop it. You can't, you've got to, you've got to go to the table and talk to these people, even though they are, I'm not saying they're good people because they're probably not. <laughs> it's just difficult. Uh, it's, I don't know if throwing more weapons at them, even attached to an exciting drone is going to work. Have we, totally I, I, I don't think it will either. Getting our leaders to play chess against each other. Cause that did actually sound like it's starting <laughs> to look like a real good decision. I, I'm all for having a big, go back to the arena and you go in our corner, the prime minister of Australia has Kluger, the murderer. Yeah. And then in the Irish corner and then they just fight each other. We go, they won. And that's the end of it. We just, we just have uh, champions again. I use my war studies uh, minimal background here and say that Clausewitz, uh, there's a very, very famous uh, war theorist called Clausewitz, and uh, he wrote about this. And he basically said, well, one of the things about war is that it's not decisive. If you lose, you can come back next year, right? Mm. Or even even more. I mean, okay, from previous times, you had to wait a year because you had to wait for another harvest so you could send your armies through the lands you had stripped bare, um, eating, <laughs> eating through the crops last year. This year, this, right now, you don't have to wait a year. So, I mean, the problem is, like, if you have your chess match and, and one side doesn't like the outcome, they'll escalate. So, yeah. They'll go yeah, to yeah, backgammon and I, and I, or something like that's something awful like that. Just, <laughs> so we need to throw all our resources at, at, at like every country should get make a robot army and then they should fight each other. No civilian casualties at all, but we still get all the, to enjoy all the war and the losers <laughs> run out of resources. And that's so, all war is anyway. So the winner the winner will be the richest country, which is kind of how World War Two was won by throwing yeah. all the money out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. how it always works. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. So that's, I, I was interested, this is a question, I, I've been asking people around me about this uh, and, and someone said that, they said, oh, well, if it's robots fighting robots, is that, that's fine, isn't it? And and I, that, there's a question: Is that fine? Is it, is it okay to have all your all your robots go to the plains of Geddon and all just battle? 
for one big final robot battle, like Robot Wars, and then we all decide that's okay. Is is that ethical? I think that will be perfectly fine, but I think it's highly unrealistic. <laughs> yes, and, and there it is. I think that's it, because as you just said before, so the people would actually say, well, my robot's died. I'm just going to nip over there and hit you with a club now. Like, yeah, I'm, that's, I'm, that, that's the problem. It's like you, you march down the streets of whichever country that, you, that your, your, your robots beat, and you're like, we're the winners, and people are like, well no yeah take a brick yeah it's that kind yeah you're still you're still going to lose yeah strangely enough people people don't you can't say we won it's a whole thing and that's Wars. when you hit him with the mustard gas <laughs> that's still okay isn't it that's oh, yeah. oh no oh no mustard gas is banned <laughs> yes can a robot hit me with mustard gas can i have a drone that sprays mustard gas at me <laughs> is that ethical i don't think so like, that's naughty <laughs> so, See, that's oh. naughty but it can shoot me in the brain that so see, yes. it's such a weird that's fine so it's so weird okay so uh, I, I i told you military ethics was weird at the start it's, I it's very yeah. weird very weird it's like you can kill uh, well, let's let's actually let's let's go into this a bit more so world war before world war one people would dress in lovely coats and they would all line up with brass buttons they charge at each other with swords and muskets and have a grand old time and it, and it was horrific of course these wars are horrific but then world war one came along and some clever person went you know what we'll do is have a gun that you can rotate really fast and just shoot bullets out we'll make everyone run across no man's land we'll just gun them down and that was sort of that was mechanized warfare this this first step of mechanized warfare but that didn't stop war that it it people still hurled themselves into the into the teeth of death War has continued and it keeps changing, but it's it doesn't to quote to quote the game Fallout, war never changes. It just changes look a bit. It's yeah, um I don't know what I'm asking there. I guess I mean, is this just the next step of what we've always done? I suppose what I'm asking. Yeah, I mean a lot of people would say that yeah, war war absolutely like you know, you there's very long passion in history where you know some some development occurs in warfare and then there's a counter development which sort of cancels it out and then there's another one. And, you know, it can be very destabilizing. I mean, people, I mean, people even look, it's really interesting if you go into the history of this. Um, there's uh, people who argue that the wars in sort of 16th century Italy among the nation states, you had gunpowder was coming in. So artillery and cannon were a, a new thing. And that really changed everything in history. That, that That's where the nation state comes from, because what happens next is your old castles with their tall, thin stone walls. They're great <laughs> against uh, small arms, bows and arrows, all this kind of stuff. Bunch of dudes laying siege. They are terrible against cannons. You know, those walls will just fall down. So mm. what, what needs to happen was that all of the little city states, they had to build these big earthen ramparts. And this is where you get those uh, characteristic star forts, the Trace Italians. Mm-hmm. Mm. And those are really expensive. And you need a big army to man them, right? So now you need to amalgamate all these city-states together so that they can actually fund their, their armies. And, you know, um, out of the wars of Europe in these times uh, came the whole idea of the nation-state um, for taxation because leaders, <laughs> need, rulers needed, to, oh yeah, rulers really? needed to be able to tax, tax their subjects to pay for all this really expensive war infrastructure because all these forts and, and things were far more expensive than, you know, a, a few dudes um, marching through the, the forest um, during during the time when they weren't harvesting their, their grain anyway, right? Yeah. Um, things became much more professionalized, much more expensive. And this is how our whole system of society comes about. Like a lot of people think that the, the war, the, 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 the play and counterplay between artillery and castles was just key in that. And then, as you say, the next big step was World War One, And the, the, the inventor of the Gatling gun, the, the machine gun, he thought he was um, making war so horrific that nobody would mm. go to war anymore. He thought he thought it would be the end of war. And he was obviously completely wrong. Mm. Then World War II, uh, World War II was another pivotal moment because we get into the age of air power, which we're still in. And that 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 was the end of the the, the, the trench system was and, and, the, and the the machine gun was sort of the first nail in the coffin of the old system of wars of maneuver from you know Napoleonic times. Mm. But um, you know, once you've got machine guns, that works less well. And then once you've got air power, the last thing you want is to mass your your army in one place. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And and the, and this is how we get to where we are now with this, this sort of age of, you know, small wars, guerrilla wars, insurgency, terrorism. You know, it's yeah. it's it's the reaction to air power. World War II is and, so weird uh, when you realize that, as you said, so you just said it then. World War II starts with planes being kind of crap, but developing them very quickly because everyone's like trying to make the better fighter, the better bomber. And it ends with nuclear power. Like it's such a small period of history where you go, get everyone in the air that's not in a box kite end it with splitting the atom 
I can't think of any decade of human history, even in now where everything's moving really quickly, that is so weirdly pivotal. Like, it's so strange. Absolutely. And one of the craziest things to me is uh, Truman. Truman is the only person who has ever Not made Capote, the decision. Mean, to... Sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's a dumb one. U.S. President. <laughs> he, three, three weeks before he uh, made the decision to drop the bombs on Japan, he didn't even know about them. He was new in office and uh, he was told about this new super weapon and he had to make that decision. And he remains the only person in history to have done so. It's just a crazy little, little Let's factoid hope from that, that time. continues, yeah. One the hopes only, and, and... The only country in the world to have launched a nuclear attack. Yeah. Did it twice. To, is there... <laughs> yeah. And my question is, is there a blue outline around them or a red outline around them? <laughs> They paint themselves as the good guys, and you go, but aren't you the ones who nuked? And they're like, yeah, but we, but they, but they say because once again they nuked in war, to, and and the, and I don't look. This is a very deep topic, and we're going to really alienate our American listeners. But there's talk that they go, well, that's because it was going to be really a lot of a lot of human life lost if from American life lost if we march you know, onto the beaches uh, and invade the island of Japan conventionally so by dropping a bomb yes a lot more japanese people died but overall less people died and you're like that's an exciting way of looking at it and i don't know if it's true or not i i really am uh, it feels it feels like a justification i prefer wars where the leaders are having a pissing contest about who can send a vehicle to the moon first yes and like further scientific advancement i'd like a war where the major participants were like, we can make our uh, our civilians happier than yours. Oh, you want to bet? Oh, we'll make them so fucking happy. Oh, they'll be over the fucking moon. Oh, you think so, Conrad? Love it. That's that would be that would be a pretty great war. But I mean, the 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 space race was was sort of a proxy conflict. I mean, because what 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 Russia was saying when they launched Sputnik was, hey, I mean, if we can launch it to the moon, we can launch a, a missile to mm-hmm. to your country because it's the same tech, right? Very much was. I find I it funny that up, oh, our happy our happy spies will be much better at killing you than your miserable spies. <laughs> I love the idea of the knock at your door in Dan's world, knock at the door. I'm like, hello, and they're like, Gregoire. And I'm like, yes, and they're like, we're from the other country. I'm like, oh, 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 god, have a cake, eat it. It's delicious, isn't it? Oh, it's really nice. It's lovely, isn't it? You can have all the cake you wanted if you just come over. I think I will. And then another door. Hi, this is your country. No, no, we've made you a, a, a Pavlova. Oh, Pavlova, thank you. It's like, oh, they're so kind. They're, they're so kind. They're so they're kind. So kind. That's kinder right. than us. That's right. You're, you're, kept in a, you're kept in a room for four days. They're being increasingly nice to you. It would be cheaper. I mean, war is super expensive. <laughs> but it pays for industry, unlike the baking industry, which is not as big. That's, that is, I mean, is that... That's <laughs> or is good, powerful. Yeah, that's a yeah, big, big pastry. Is that just a lefty, bleeding heart, liberal thing like myself to say is it's, it's all run by, by the globally industrial complex or military industrial complex, sorry. It's, is it literally because it's, someone's making a butt ton of money that we live in the world that we live in now? Um, in some ways, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if I think it depends, uh, sort of which which things you look at. So for for sure, I mean, the U.S. in particular came out of um, World War II with an enormous defense industry, uh, which never really went away. Uh, the Cold War was pretty convenient in that respect, you know, and, and you had all this sort of political dialogue around. Um, in the fifties, it was the bomber gap. You know, we need more bombers to stay, you know, stay ahead of uh, Russia, and then mm. and the space race, as you said, um, huge industry there. And then in the sixties, you had the missile gap, and you had to build more missiles and so on. And mm. it's never really stopped. And you know, even today, it's a, it's an absolutely huge industry. And and they very much have turned their sights towards software, AI, machine learning, um, robotics. So, like the hackers, like hackers in Russia and China, the ones we always hear about, like given a, a relatively low amount of money, but able to do a lot of damage if they chose to. And then people realizing that's the new front as well. So, not autonomous weaponry, but human run. Uh, cyber attacks and that sort of stuff and is that warfare like that's a whole we've kind of gone weirdly off track here but yeah it, that's a whole yeah. area too of, of and now people like america's like we've got all the guns and missiles and and the russians or the, the chinese or whoever there's lots of people around the world a lot of actors around the world saying oh we don't care we can switch it off and we can switch off your dams we can shut down your power grid we can detonate mm. this and you can do all these damage to you that'll make your life we can miserable. trick your populace into voting in a very silly man <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, 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 that may be the 
we're going to lose the most so- uh, consequential. Yeah, we're going to lose so many <laughs> listeners from America. Um, so, so I, I don't know how many like big Trump supporters are like big fans of the smart enough to know better. Fair enough. That's actually brand. a very good point. I was interested also, I was a little bit disappointed. I was looking into it. The UN decided to have a good chat about this and to have a sit down and chat. And do, do you know about that, Laura? As in, are you? Yes. Like, can you please talk about the about what they decided to do? So over the past few years, I've attended a number of the UN events. So the um, autonomous weapons issue has been on the table at a there's a, a UN forum called the Convention on Conventional Weapons, and the word convention there means it's sort of like the Geneva Convention. There's actually a bunch of different uh, treaties, and all the treaties come with uh, sort of a organisation with them. So they'll have some logistical support, and they'll meet a, a few times a year. And the CCW, um, conventional weapons means basically not nukes, not biological weapons, not chemical weapons, like things that things that, you know, hit you or go boom. Mm. Those are conventional weapons. And that's where the discussion around autonomous weapons has ended up. And so and we, we, we've had there's been a lot of discussion over the last few years has been a huge number of com- uh, countries have decided that they support a ban on these weapons because you know because they're dangerous because there there are so many ethical problems involved and because they realize that the the limitations of these weapons are likely to cause accidents they're likely to cause unintended deaths right that's that's i think a lot of companies countries see that but certain power nations they want to retain the ability to 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 build these weapons Russia has been a very big blocker. They have consistently sort of, you know, it's it's, it's typical on, on a CCW. They, they they typically meet from, say, Monday to Friday during the week, and there'll be a bunch of discussion, and then you'll be trying to put out a report at the end of the week. And, you know, Russia has a lot of form of turning up on Friday evening and, you know, demanding a whole bunch of uh, contentious changes, and, you know, that everyone is there until 3 a.m. in the morning on, on the Saturday morning. Um, Sorry, so I, I, of- I misunderstood. Are they pro-autonomous weaponry or are they anti-autonomous weaponry? Uh, I mean, they, they would, they, they're certainly not for a ban on autonomous oh, weaponry. Okay, okay, so right. I'll say, I'll say they're pro-autonomous weaponry, okay. but you know, so is the U S I mean, the U S mm-hmm. uh, they, they put a, a nicer smiling face on it, but you know, they're, they're not supportive of a treaty either. I mean, they, they would tell you that they're, they have this thing called the DOD 3000.09 directive, which says that a commander has to be able to exercise human judgment but that's not, we, we've always pushed for a, a stronger language, um, a language that there has to be human control mm-hmm. because human judgment is sort of meaningless. Like in my judgment, it's totally fine to send my swarm of a thousand drones <laughs> to patrol this desert and kill everyone they see. That's my human judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the US's position. But then Australia hasn't been supportive either. India has been um, quite disruptive in the past year. The UK is pretty strongly against. And then there's a bunch of countries that have sort of anomalous positions. There's been there's definitely a, a sort of a, a divide between the global north and the global south. Um, so a lot of the global south countries will be very strongly supportive of a ban. Some of the Middle Eastern countries, so the state of Palestine has been hugely outspoken. Uh, they have claimed, and there was this was a, a huge diplomatic flap. They have claimed that the, Israel has been testing autonomous weapons in Gaza. God, so that's, yeah. that's was, that was a, a bit of a bomb uh, that went off. Yeah. But in general, like the. The CCW is a consensus forum, which means that every single state has to agree to get any outcome. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is with, with 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 certain powers acting the way that they have been acting for the last several years, it's been impossible to get an, an outcome that is meaningful in any way. I'm guessing that's because there's a lot of fear. Once as if you if you like, oh, we're America, we ref- well, let's, let's talk Australia. Australia says, if okay, fine, we're going to block all, we're going to ban it all. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, yeah, but those guys aren't actually going. They're going to go off to their little shed and they're going to put a, a grenade on the bottom of a cool drone they bought from JB Hi-Fi and they're going to fly it into my house. And there's always that fear that, that that's what's going to happen. So you can't ban it. The thought process, well, then I won't ban it because I can't ever build mind to defend myself against their drone so everyone has then therefore no one ever bans anything that's i think that's probably the thought process behind it. i don't agree with it oh, well well we're not looking for a ban on and all autonomy ever i mean that that would be very very broad um the specific um treaty that we would seek would be basically along these lines a total ban on anything that targets human beings mm. because we just don't think it can be done in any reasonable way given the complexities that we talked about around who is a combatant and you know people being always to combat and surrendered and you know people not in uniform it's just really complicated mm. and then when you get into making the proportionality decisions about whether 
it's 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 uh, proportional to to make an attack. It's just too much um, to to entrust technology with. But then there will be a range of systems that would be not intended to target human beings. So that will be things like your counter rockets or counter drone systems, mm. and those. Those should. What we're arguing is that there should be a kind of, there should be some rules around those, and there should be, you know, probably some human supervision where where it's feasible and appropriate, and and and, and some other sort of. Um, there should be there should be some practices that should be strongly encouraged legally, mm. um, but we're not arguing for a ban on those. So mm. you could still build your counter drone system. Um, yeah. We're not looking to ban that. Well, and we should. I, I saw the, the best counter drone I've ever seen was actually a hawk. And they trained a hawk to take drones out of the sky. So birds that flew up, I'm like, that's what you need. It's biology versus mechanics. That's the movie I want to watch. Just all these birds just taking all the drones out very quickly. Uh, that'll work for birds, are, birds are smarter than any any computer that you can build. I mean, I, I cannot build you software that is smarter than, than a hawk. I cannot build you software that's smarter than a beetle, probably, right? Yep. And a wedgetail, um, yeah, so. a wedgetail eagle, like one ones here in Australia, they're big animals. That's that's a like it stands like a meter and a half off the ground with two meter long wingspan. That's that's a plane. You know what I mean? Like that's a big, big, big thing. <laughs> so we just use those. We find. <laughs> if I could train my eagle to target bad guys and I attached a grenade to it, <laughs> like that could get around this whole. Yeah. Did you in World War Two? There was an idea of the Americans had an idea of uh, it was bats, and they wanted to put flaming bombs, or bombs, flammable as in fl- bombs that would burn onto bats, because the idea was Japanese people then lived in lots of paper type houses, and they were going to. The idea was to release the bats into the into the area, and they would fly and roost. And uh, and then after a certain time, it would explode. It sounds like madness, and it is madness, but because it, it didn't work, because the bats were like, we don't live in roofs, it's not where we live. We don't go into people's houses and hide in their roof. We we fly off to the trees where we just explode harmlessly. Uh, you know, so yeah, it, weird. But there you go. That's the, your, your idea, Dan. You're ahead of the curve. Well, you're behind the curve. You're, there's a curve, and you're somewhere on it. Right. The Brit- British tried to use um, pigeons. They tried to use pigeons to target uh, bombs. I don't think it worked very well either. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the pigeons didn't really have any incentive to hit their no. target, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think the pigeons kept. I, I mean, that's the, they used. I think they used homing pigeons, and there's a very <gasps> crucial thing about homing pigeons. <laughs> that'd be that'd be very very dark. Okay, that so would be like attaching a grenade to a boomerang. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to ask a question, and and that is in 50 years' time. Give us a prediction. Predictions always go right. Everyone's always right with their predictions. So, so Laura, with no, what you know of, of the state of the industry of autonomous weaponry and way people talking about it, where do you see it all in 50 years' time? Oh, gosh, I'm not a prognosticator. I will say that I think in 50 years' time, technology is probably still going to be terrible. Okay. I, I, a lot of people think that by then we'll have, you know, kind of artificial and general intelligence, you know, computers that will be, you know, literally able to sort of reason and think in some sort of way mm. i don't think that's going to be the case i think we're you know probably there'll be some advances around the edges but i mean maybe maybe by that point we'll have given up on the the dream of artificial general intelligence mm. which certainly does feel a lot of these this sort of ai arms race thing i don't know i really you... hope in 50 years time we've, we've focused on solving the the climate problem as opposed to you know <laughs> trying to kill each other That'd, that'd be nice. Yeah, that would be a good thing. Uh, so do you feel hopeful on the autonomous, not on the climate change thing, but on the, uh, on the autonomous weaponry thing? Do you think it'll be, we'll be in a better place or a worse place than we are now? Um, I hope that we will have some sort of uh, consensus on, on the fact that autonomous weapons are, are dangerous and we shouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the real question is, do we get there without having to have experience with them and having a lot of people suffer and die because of it? And that's what I would like. You know, I, th- I think we're going to figure out one way or another that they're not something that's actually militarily useful because they will be too unpredictable. Certainly the ones that, you know, the, the complex ones that are going to move around and select targets. I think we'll probably find that they're, they're not helpful. And, and I mean, even now, I mean, if you talk to most people in militaries, like most of them don't like the idea, they want to retain that human control over the use of force because, you know, they know that it's, it's a risk to themselves if nothing else. Hmm. Um, and because they, they see it as their professional duty to be making those decisions. So I, I think that we'll probably have come to that place, but um, hopefully without, without a lot of pain getting there. Laura, I, that's a very hopeful way of looking at it. And I hope you're absolutely right. Thank you very much for sharing your expertise. Uh, it's been really, really interesting to have this conversation. And uh, hopefully in the future, we can have you back to discuss other sort of technological uh, conundrums of our age. I would be delighted. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks to Laura Nolan for joining Dan and I to talk all about autonomous weaponry and the ethics of using them. It's interesting that an expert in that field thinks that they're dumb and that's the biggest problem because I always thought it was they're too smart and that's the biggest problem. So you definitely learn something every day. Go and have a look at our show notes for all the books that were mentioned during the talk. They're all worth having a look at. Definitely go look at the Project Maven logo. It's insane. It's all these happy robots, like something out of Futurama, all lying around going, yay, we like to kill autonomously. It's very weird. Go have a look at the Cargo drone and see how it looks like something you just buy from Apple as a really fun drone to fly around. All right, ladies and gentlemen, autonomous weaponry. What the philosophy? Goodness me. Anyway, have a good time in life. (laughs) Try not to annoy a robot. Be kind to people around you and maybe be kind to your vacuum cleaners as well. Hmm, it may pay off in the end. See you next time. Bye. I'm just glad that she doesn't predict Terminators. I'm happy with that. I'm pretty sure we're not going there. I mean, it's, it's not the clever robots that we worry about. It's the really stupid ones. I mean, it'd be good if a whole nation full of Terminators were like, how about we challenge each other to chess rather than this whole... <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly what happened in the movie. That's Oh, that'd be the best movie. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be um, Queen's Gambit, yes, but with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, um, you know, the, there's... I think that there is some truth to saying that, you know, if, if the haves end up having too much and the have-nots end up having too little, like that's mm-hmm. not a stable situation, you know, you sort of, you know, French Revolution time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Suddenly heads will yep. roll. Guillotines oh, yeah. for all. Yeah. Guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Smart guillotines that can decide whose yeah. heads to chop come, off for them. Come to your house. You wake up at night and there's a guillotine on you going, no, you're okay and it leaves. Like, oh, that was close. Anyway. Uh, uh, so safety guillotine, yes. Safety guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs>